I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. You're listening to Podnuts Pro, your podcast for business IT support. And now, your host, Marvin B. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Podnuts Pro. I am your host, Marvin B., Podnuts Pro is your podcast for business IT support, where we share product stories and tips, all in an effort to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. And tonight, there is no exception to what we are going to do this evening. I am going to be joined very shortly. You know them as the Cable Guys, Nathan Drager and Terry Moon are going to be joining us, telling us about their business their stories, and how to do cable right, because we all know that a good foundation in networking begins with good cabling. I have no idea whoever said that, but it just sounded good, so I thought I'd say it. So thank you, folks, for joining in. We are live here on a Wednesday evening. The show is usually here on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. So if you ever want to watch the show live, that is how you can do it, either on YouTube or or the Facebook, but as always, you can always continue to listen to your favorite podcast on your favorite podcatcher. If you want to go back and find out anything that's happened on the show previously, head over to podnutspro.com, and there you'll find a back catalog of shows. You'll find ways to support the show. We have a blog that may or may not have some good stuff in there for you. There's also, if you use the right browser, right now it seems to be Edge, You will see at the top of the page some recent listener purchases from the Amazon page. So that, if you choose to do so, will help support the show. And then at the bottom, you'll find there's a little coffee cup. You can click on that, buy me a cup or two or five of coffees, and that will help support the show. And as I mentioned that, I need to thank Dan, who purchased me five copies. Coffees. This morning and help support the show. So, Dan, thank you very much. And, of course, you can always uh, also use the Patreon link that we have over there and become a monthly contributor and support the show there. And I do want to thank we have a corporate sponsor over there, Computers Done Right. And thank you very much for doing a monthly donation and being a corporate sponsor on the Patreon. All right, let's go ahead and bring in our guests because I know that that's why you're all here. And as I mentioned, Nathan Drager joins us from Quantum PC. Nathan, how are you? I'm doing good, Marvin. It's great to see you again. Ah, Great to see you. And uh, it's not ice fishing season, so we won't be able to talk about that. Yeah, it's not ice fishing season yet. Uh, You know, it comes on pretty quick here this time of year, though. You got to watch for it. We are in the fall now, so... All right. A few months. Okay. And then also joining us, you know him as Mr. Milwaukee, Terry Moon from Computer Pro. Terry, how are you? How are you doing, Marvin? I'm doing good. Doing good. And uh, how's how's the Michigan weather right now? Oh, funny you should ask. Uh, we're, we're in the middle of a, well, not in the middle. We had a big storm yesterday and last night. So that left us, I think they said 11,000 customers without power. So this morning I've been running nonstop. Mm. So I'm a bit weary. People say look like that. That's that's the reason. Why isn't our server working? Well, if you had power, you'd be working, right? <laughs> exactly. All right, and we are streaming. I am live in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where even this late in the evening, it is 85 degrees clear, with a real feel of 94 degrees. So we are doing. Fantastic. So, all right, let's say hello. We've got people in the chat. Thank you. Hello, Ramey. And others, we just got a like from 
Kyle Kenyon. Kyle, who was a winner in last week's Summer Tech Series giveaway. So uh, congratulations, Kyle. Hey, it's good to see Ramey in here, too. I haven't chatted with him for a while. We got we got to get him in on one of these shows. He he was on a couple of weeks ago. So you got to pay, really? att- <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> yeah. You know, just because you, you're going Hollywood on us with your quantum TV, you know. I got to you got I got to set up notifications for this and I can you know remind myself and jump in here. Yep. Yep. That'll work. All right. So before we get too far along, let me just quickly ask how your businesses are going post COVID. You know, I know you know we've talked ad nauseum about them, but because we haven't talked for so long, it's been at least a year and a half, maybe two years for you, Nathan. Terry, you're first on the show. So Nathan, how has things been for you? Uh, it's been awesome. Really, COVID's been great. I wish it would have happened a long time ago. I'm hoping we can extend it and just keep it rolling. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. Probably you the wish best COVID thing that's ever happened. You wish COVID would have happened a long time ago? Oh, absolutely, man. <laughs> I mean, if we could just continually, you know, be stuck in this uh, pandemic, it's been fantastic for business. Uh, really great to see. All right. Terry, how about you and your business? Uh, it's been, I don't know if it's been fantastic, like, uh, what Nathan was saying, but it's been pretty (laughs) decent. We haven't slowed down, put it that way. Ironically, we've been working in a few COVID labs, which is scary, but, um, but yeah, yeah, it's been pretty good. Yep. So what's that like? Uh, aside from being a little worrisome and scary, I get into weekly phone calls, you know, saying, Hey, you were right next to this person. Uh, you should go down and get checked because this person is positive. And so that was like an every other day thing. But other than that, it's, it's cool. There's a lot of cool equipment and now, a lot of stuff going on. Now, are you doing, I mean, is this your, your clients that you're actually going into doing you doing you, uh, end user support and all, uh, this latest one is now. Yes. Yes. It started with a, can you fix our crappy VoIP system? And it turned into a lot of cabling, a network rack redo and luckily managed service. So, uh, yep. There you go. All right. And my business is doing well, except for the fact that I spent labor day trying to fish three cables up a wall and to reposition them for wireless access points instead of calling my cable guy to do it. So we will talk about that a little bit later in the show, but right now we are going to do one of the favorite segments of the show. And we are going to go in the news. So everybody thinks that the WhatsApp end-to-end encryption messages are private? Not so fast. Yesterday, independent newsroom ProPublica published a detailed piece examining the popular WhatsApp messaging platform's privacy claims. The service famously offers end-to-end encryption, which means that most men or most users interpret that as meaning that Facebook WhatsApp's owner since 2014 can neither read messages nor forward them to law enforcement. Well, this claim has been contradicted and we have found out that Facebook employs about 1,000 WhatsApp moderators to do what? You guessed it. Review WhatsApp messages that has been flagged as improper. Now, I won't go into the full message here, but basically... What happens is as soon as you flag a message, it is copied to the recipient's device and sent as a separate message to Facebook for review. So that means that once they are copied, they can be read. And even though WhatsApp claims that messages can only be subverted by the sender or recipient, a wealth of metadata associated with those messages is visible to Facebook and to law enforcement authorities or others that Facebook decides to share it with. So, you thought you were encrypting in WhatsApp? We're Facebook, folks. They listen to everything. And Florida man. So, I'm going to have to share a video with you guys because most of you 
when you think that I bring up these Florida man stories, you don't think that they're real. So here is going to be a video that will go along with the news. And this is in the land of John Dubinsky, one of our newest Florida men. So, John, let's see. Here we go. Fort Myers, Florida, a man fed up with a private road in poor condition near his southwest Florida business has a novel solution. Plant a banana tree in a pothole to warn motorists away. So last week, Brian Raymond planted the tree in a stubborn pothole along Honda Drive, just off US 41 in South Fort Myers. Raymond owns Progress and Pride Fitness Group and said the idea of planting a banana tree ripened in his mind after having to fill holes in the street with cement several times. Now, because Honda Drive is a private street, county officials said it's up to the business owners to maintain the street. And so for Raymond, that meant planting a banana tree. And uh, some who work along the road say anything is better than potholes. Even one businessman said, I love it. I think it's hilarious. We should have more of these. And I think it is sending a message. So there you have it, folks. Brian Raymond planting his own banana tree in the middle of a private Fort Myers road. So yeah, what do you guys think about that? I think it's fantastic idea. I mean, look at this guy's publicity. He's got the news down there. He's chatting with him. Yeah. Uh, you know, you might only get to pull that off once. Entire history of his yeah. business. But what a what a brilliant idea. Yeah, and right, right now yeah. on the video they're showing. So of course, you know, when hurricanes come through, that's a lot of why we have these potholes. The water builds up on the road and creates the holes and stuff. But uh, there it is, banana tree in the in the road. Yeah. All right. And that is your news. Yay. All right. Let's move along. So we uh talking cable, guys, or whatever else you really want to talk about. But so I mentioned that I spent my Labor Day climbing through a ceiling, trying to fish back cable through a wall. And I thought it would be an easy job. But I know I should know better. I hate cable. But uh, you guys seem to thrive at doing the cable jobs. Uh, Nathan, help me if uh, help me make sure I got this straight. You actually created an entire cable division separate from your business after listening to a few podcasts where we would talk about our fluke tools, our net ally cable testing tools. And saw an opportunity that, hey, somebody's got to do it better, right? Uh, yeah, really. I mean, we started as a computer repair company and everything obviously is interconnected. And we you know, started getting into pulling our own cable instead of outsourcing and subcontracting it out. And then really uh, brought on one of my longtime really close friends, Zach, and kind of built a division around him and around his skill um, Zach has a lot of outside plant fiber experience. So, you know, we've really through the cabling division now been able to get into a lot of fiber work. Um, and it's, it's paid its dividends. It's been a good thing to get into. Um, and then just through the, through the equipment with the OTDRs and fusion splicers, um, and other fiber equipment, we've been able to get into a, a long-term government contract. We're doing fiber to the premise project uh, for one of our communities here, and we're going to every address. Um, so next seven years, we're going to about like 250 homes a year. Um, but really, you know, it all was on that foundation of getting in and starting to pull, you know, copper wire and premise cabling around buildings and stuff and just built on it from there and, here we are. All right. And Terry, I know that the Facebook groups love your pictures that you put up all the time of all your cable jobs. How did you get started doing the cable? Oh, boy. If I, was, I mean, I started back in 97 as a basic PC tech, right? Uh, for 
uh, our competition actually now. Um, <laughs> but luckily they did some cabling. So even from the start I did, it was more like phone and just, I guess some data runs too, but, um, and then we weren't, we were never really big into it, um, until the need came about. So we, we got into, I guess everything a little bit late, like MSP and VoIP and everything. So when we got into that, we realized we, we want to sell VoIP, but a lot of our clients and the places we went had just horrible wiring. I mean, everything is, it, it wouldn't support it. And so rather than, you know, say, well, let's farm this out, you know, we just said, Hey, we can do this. Let's do it ourselves. <laughs> and then, so fast forward some years later, we just been doing it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Sounds nice. And I know that, you know, I, I, you know, I kid about hating cable, but I, I'll do it occasionally when I need to, but, um, we've got enough cable companies down here and the way that I've been running my business, it's easier just to call them up and have them come in and do it right. And there are a lot of times where we run into the situation where cable's got to pass inspection and the permits have to be run. And in some buildings, you actually have to have a low voltage license to do that. So do either of you guys run into those types of issues legally in running cable? Not so much here in Wisconsin. Um, you know, if you're dealing with, with fire alarm or, you know, certain life safety systems, you know, then you got to make sure you're, you know, following, following those policies, regulations, but, um, with your low voltage stuff, there's, there's not really, uh, there's no problem. You don't, you don't have to pull a permit or, or have any special qualifications for that. We don't work out of state either. So um, at some point, I do think it might change. It might be not a bad idea. It's kind of the Wild West, you know. <laughs> okay. People can get away with just about anything. Sometimes you get in these buildings and see previous work that was done, and there's wire chucked all over the ceiling grid and stuff hanging all over. And, um, you know, there's obviously best practices in, Nash- in uh, NEC and the Bixie standards and that we uphold and train within our company. But um, a lot of times you got to match existing, too, and sometimes existing is not to, to those codes, and you got to – come in and just, you know, add your stuff and do it the best you can and put new J hooks up and, you know, build new pathways where needed. But um, sometimes it's kind of, you know, the, the, the prevailing atmosphere of how things were done left a lot to be desired. And kind of like Terry said, that's a lot of the reason we got into it. You, you come in to solve one problem. Maybe it's looking at a new phone solution or new computers or workstations or Wi-Fi system. And you start peeling back the layers on a network and you get into, you know, often, the foundation of it at the cabling and um, yeah, right. seen some crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, Terry, what about the legalities up in Michigan? Uh, it's the same. We do not <laughs> need a license. I, you know, part of me wishes that we did just because the, you know, uh, it would keep a lot of people that shouldn't be running cable out, I guess. Um, but as of right now, no, no, we don't. All right. So you guys have situations like us where, well, electricians, you know, will run a cable just because they think it's the same thing. And a lot of times electricians will run cable here, but not terminate it and leave that job to us. Mm -hmm. You guys have that happen? Yeah, we work a lot with electricians, um, you know, especially on larger commercial jobs. It's hand in hand. I mean, you know, school school systems, schools, hospitals, things like that. Uh, obviously, the electricians are, are an important part of the building trade. Um, and when it comes down to the specialty systems, oftentimes, you know, they're split up and sometimes multiple subcontractors in there. But, uh, yeah, we get into scenarios where the electrician's comfortable pulling his own cable, but maybe not necessarily terminating it, certifying it, uh, dressing it in, building out the, the telecom room. And then, obviously, all the electronics behind it. So we, we get in on that level. Uh, we definitely prefer to, to come in as IT providers, um, less so than, you know, as a, as a building trade and just terminating wire and handing off, uh, handing it off. We, we will do a little bit of that. But, um, yeah, we, we like working with the electricians because uh, they can kind of lead the way, too. We, you know, we're we're a specialty trade. We don't do as much conduit and, um, and stuff like that grounding and just different heavy duty stuff. If they're already in there, maybe trenching, 
um, underground pipe if they're in at the beginning of the project. So if you're working with a good electrician on those commercial builds, you can pretty much come in when the drywall's going up and just before the ceiling grid's in and do your entire job, you know, in a couple days without having to be on site various times throughout a one-year construction project or something. If you're working with an electrician that doesn't really, you know, collaborate with the low-voltage trade, you you got to get in early and make sure your stub outs are where you need them and make sure things are, you know, going to gonna line up for you. Um, otherwise, you'll get you'll be caught red-faced right. at the end. So. I know a lot of times whenever we're doing projects, I usually get in and make sure that they're all working together. And, you know, if one person, you know, usually the electrician runs conduit, that they also run the conduit for the Cat 5 as well because most of the time they're going to be right next to each other. At least that's that's what I try to do. So, uh, Terry, now you – like I said, people love the fact that you throw pictures up all the time and you have probably some of the neatest OCDist cable installations I've ever seen. <laughs> um, now, how much of the stuff that you do is all you, meaning you, cause you look like you have a ton of tools and ladders and fish pools <laughs> and all that stuff. I mean, is that all you? Uh, well, when you say all me, it's all, it's all, us for the most part. I mean, I'm not the only one that does it. I'm one of the, well, I guess I'm one of the most OCD guys that we have. <laughs> so before I throw a photo up, yeah, I, I try to make sure everything's nice and neat. Um, as far as back to the electrician thing really quick, we, hopefully none are listening, but we, we, we have a good relationship to a, to a point with them, but most of them around here, you, you, you don't, you know, they should stick with electrical because it would be like me trying to do electrical. It wouldn't be good. It would be horrible, right? And it's it's kind of like that around here. If we, we have them that they almost think of low voltage as a lower part of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So they kind of view it like, well, if I could do electrical, I can certainly pull, you know, some uh, Cat 6 wire around. And when they do it, they, you know, wiring is actually fine you know they're, they're very good at like nathan was saying you know they they trench they can get in places that are you know almost like alarm guys they can get wires anywhere right but they i mean they'll take your wire around here anyway and i mean they'll tie it in a knot and throw it it's it's just really really bad um so yeah yeah that's 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 the thing with with electricians with us but as far as the ocd thing um our guys are like that. I'm probably the most one of us. Feedback. All right. Um, let me ask you guys. Now, I asked you to kind of prepare, you know, one of your either your favorite job uh, that you're most proud of or one that was completely wild and crazy. So did you guys prepare something for me? No, but I can, I can just talk about anything that's wild and crazy. You should know by now. Like, I have not prepared for, for very much in my entire life. Uh, real seat in my pants, but... Um, yeah, I think I said I would have Aaron on the show last time we were on. <laughs> yeah, she, she'll she prepare endlessly, yeah. Well, uh, let me do this. Before we do that, I'll give you a moment to kind of catch your breath and, and think of something. So we had a question yeah. from the chat, and the question was, in new construction... Who hires you more, the GC, electrician, or building owner? So I, I was trying to answer this in the chat, and I, like, popped it open. I thought I broke the whole stream for a second. I'm sure you saw that scared-ass look on my face. But we're, anyways, yeah, I was trying to answer that and say, you know, the electricians hire us in new construction. And that's back to what I was saying of really, you know, we do partner with a lot of those local firms that way, um, especially in these larger commercial jobs where, you know, those electricians might be on site for a year or two years or something um, that, that a lot of times we get subbed in for that in new construction. Now, obviously, in residential work or a new small office, small business, a lot of times the owner hires us and, and our portion of the project's pulled out of it, either it's never engineered in the first place or it's pulled out and done, you know, by owner. At some point, there's always a cutoff in the systems. At, at some point, it is going to be the owner's responsibility when we're doing, you know, cabling and things like that. There is often, of course, Wi-Fi systems, networking, switch stack, all that good stuff. Um, so, yes, uh, 
electrician hires us new construction, but a lot of times at some point we get handed to the owner to be hired then for the technology side. All right. Terry? That's a big answer. Uh, for us, pretty much all three, but it, mostly it starts out relationship-wise with the business owner, I would say. Mostly. Um, and we've had times when GCs have, have hired us, electricians, sub, sub things out. Um, but typically it's the owner, which means we have to coordinate everything depending on how good of a general contractor they have. Um, we have to do all the coordination with the electricians and the drywallers and things like that. They always forget about the low voltage guys, right? Like, like the electricians will finish up and then everything's sealed up. And then it's like, okay, we need six drops here and seven. And it's like, whoa, there's drywall up now. And, you know, so, um, but, but yeah, yeah, I think usually it's, uh, the owner, then followed probably by uh, electrician and then general contractor. Okay. What's the largest job you've done? Um, for us, we did a school that's like uh, 700, so Cat 6 cables, and then the other various paging systems, intercom, uh, door access control, things like that. Um, so for us, that's like two years. This fiber project for us is seven years, um, six guys for seven years. That's going to be, I'd say, the largest. And I don't know that that might, you know, unless something comes along in the next six months, that's probably yeah. the biggest thing I'll ever do in my life. So that fiber run, is that going to be, so that's usually along, you know, the highway or major street. So are you guys going from the street into the residential neighborhood or how is that um, working? We're doing everything. You're doing everything. Uh, we do have we do have help on the long range. Uh, we're partnered with an electrical co-op, and you know we have our own bucket truck. They have two of their own bucket trucks, so they're doing a lot of the aerial work on the on the long haul. But we're designing and building the head end, um, all the Juniper and Adran networking stuff, and we are uh, splicing everything at the road and then bringing the drops to the house. And then penetrating, going in the house, putting ONT in, putting in the consumer uh, or customer premise equipment router, and then dropping a VoIP phone at each location and going to the next address. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, we got about, we got, um, I think there's like 7,600 splices um, total. Now, here's the question. Terry, hang on a second. I just I want to follow yep. up here. So six guys, seven years. I assume that you had to do that as a bid, right? Well, yes. Multiple bids. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do you have allowances for contingencies so that, uh, you know, if it starts to run, you know, seven and a half years, or do you have bonuses that if you finish in six and a half well, we have we have bonuses built in, but our company builds a lot of those incentives into all everything we do. So we were able to you know build that into the contracts right off the beginning. So we have some target numbers for bonuses because there's a lot of travel on this. Uh, there's also you know there's ferry costs. There's is on an island we're we're doing fiber for you know it's an entire island, um, and you know there's ferry costs to get over there continually and per diem and all that stuff. Um, and then just, you know, same with all the equipment and training, um, Sumitomo splicers and the Expo OTDRs, bucket trucks, things like that. It's, it's all kind of really built on, you know, to the project to make it sustainable for us. And then we have just certain like government things that we have to adhere to. Like we have to connect eight anchor institutions in the first years, like part of the grant. So we have to go to the bank, the hospital, the school, um, the clinic, the community center and the town clerk, you know, and the police station, things like that. And, um, then we have to do a pilot project to connect a certain number of homes to prove connectivity and the, and, and everything. And then, um, from there we have to connect, it's like 225 addresses per year and it's all tied into, you know, federal and local government funding with, they have a lot of contingencies on there. So depending how things go right now, you know, we would be displacing every single one of these addresses ourselves and, and getting there. But if certain 
if the money falls a certain way and they decide they wanted this done in a, a condensed period of time, maybe in two or three years, then there'll be other contractors out there with us because we just, you know, may not have the manpower to complete it as expected. So um, it's still pretty, pretty fluid, but um, we are listed, you know, our company quantum is a partner on the PSC grant with the co-op. And, you know, I think it's something worth, you know, for people listening on the show or people that are getting into this, um, you know, a public-private relationship like that, we we were able to, you know, donate some of our time and some money and things like that to, to kind of make this, you know, help with this project as well. But um, there's a lot of these co-ops out in the country getting into these fiber-to-the-home projects, and they're looking for, you know, not necessarily individuals to splice and bring drops to homes, but companies that are already equipped and capable and you know, to get your business involved in a partnership and to approach these co-ops and, you know, position yourself not just as a vendor to get paid to do the work, but as someone that, you know, can help build out the community and get, you know, go both ways with it. So that's cool opportunity for us. That's nice. Very nice. All right, Terry, what was your biggest job? Uh, Pretty much the same as Nathan minus the island and the fiber to each home. So, <laughs> so <laughs> okay. it's like, like it, it, school's basically the same, you know, as, as far as size. Wait, ironically, we do, we do a lot of cabling jobs, but we do a lot of small to medium business jobs. That's our, you know, that's our main thing. So we, we've done a few larger ones, but mainly we're doing small businesses, like something that can, you know, 48 port switch or less basically. So, okay. All right. What's the cost of a bucket truck? Bucket trucks are expensive. Maintenance <laughs> is expensive. <laughs> cost of ownership is high. We we're I mean, you know, I'm 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 not like high caliber or nothing. I was like, all right, let's start looking at these trucks. And I was like, holy shit. Like, okay, we're not getting a brand new bucket truck. Okay. Well, let's let's compromise here let's compromise there that's like okay what's what do we absolutely need so we have an older truck it's like a 08 or something 42 foot working height on the lift and it's a ford f550 outriggers and stuff i have no idea how to drive this thing uh i could drive a stick it, it is a stick, right? We right. do have some younger guys can't drive a stick or whatever, but I, I've never operated the bucket truck. Um, I think I've done a pretty good job this last few years in business of, of being the owner now and, and the manager. Um, so I have no idea how to drive this thing. I, I will hopefully never learn how to drive this. Um, that's perfectly but, fine as long as you have people that can. But we had to, so we bought an older truck and I think it was like it was around forty thousand dollar investment and then we got it here and we put around another fifteen thousand into it to fix that it had some issues and to get it DOT inspected and to get our official, you know, stuff for it was like another fifteen thousand. Mm. Um and it sits a lot of the time. We don't run it daily right now. Now we hit this we hit this project next spring. That's it. It'll be up in the air every single day. And, you know, these guys will go up in the truck, they'll grab the fiber, bring it down to the splicing trailer, do their thing, bring the case back up, load it up, tie it off in the pole, and they'll go down to the next address. Um, depending how things go, you know, guys will stay in the trailer, bucket truck will move forward, we'll get it all figured out. But it'll get used a lot. But uh, right now we use it, you know, if we got to put a camera up somewhere outdoors, um, we do a lot of like Starlink deployments point-to-point, wireless bridges, shit like that. If someone's got something that's 42 feet or less, we're really excited to use the truck. All right. And, uh, you know, having a tool like that, it it changes your approach to the type of work that you can do. And, you know, we've learned that with all of our tools. Uh, If you have a bucket truck and you're sitting there talking to someone about, oh, how are we going to do this or that, and you know you've got, you know, the keys for a bucket truck in your pocket, it, you're, it's a lot better. It's a lot, it makes it a lot easier of a process to sell them what they need or to, to do things the right way. When you don't have the bucket truck or you don't have a tall enough ladder, or you don't have the right tools, then you got you, you to gotta tell people, oh, no, this is the best way to do it. You know, we shouldn't go to the top of your building. We should go 
14 feet up on the top of my ladder. And knowing that and just seeing that with a bucket truck, I kind of get a kick, like, driving through the neighborhoods and looking, like, where the DirecTV and HughesNet guys, like, installed their shit. Because it's, like, you can almost predict or tell what kind of car they were driving based on how far up the side of the house they installed the dish. If they're in like a Subaru Outback and you see the dish is installed like 10 foot, you know, they stood on top of their six foot ladder or you drive by and you see it, the dish is like halfway up a two story house, like 14 foot. And it's like, yeah, direct TV came with a minivan and uh, stood his ladder upside of the house as high as he was going. Mm. Um, so yeah, bucket truck sucks, expensive. Don't, don't get to use it all the time. Um, but it gets you in the door when, uh, Others can't, so very yeah. nice. Now, funny you should mention the tool, having the right tool. So we're starting a segment this week, and uh, this segment is sponsored by our friends over at Net Ally. And uh, nice. there's the Net Ally logo for you. So Net Ally, of course, one of our favorite companies for providing us with the handheld network testers. And I'm going to put a link in the chat. Uh, for everybody, they are actually having a contest right now where you can cast your vote for your favorite Net Ally tool. And of course, you can pick from anything from the Link Runner. They have, they have a Link Runner 10G. You've got the Etherscope. You've got the, um, what's their wire one? I, I got so many of these, I forget which ones they are. Uh, the One Touch 2 is still out there. Uh, the link sprinter. So head over to net ally and cast your vote. And the segment that they're going to be sponsoring is going to be pot nuts pro tech tip of the week. And I figure in honor of this show, we're going to do use the right tool for the right job. And since net ally is our sponsor and Terry moon, you do a lot of stuff where you show your tools on your website and on the Facebook page. I'm going to start with you. What are, what is your favorite tool that you use for cabling? Oh boy. Um, well, I mean, it's when you say for cabling, I mean, it's kind of, it depends whether you're talking about running cable or whether you're talking about giving quick tests. I mean, we have, uh, we have a link runner AT, we have some link sprinters, um, and yeah, by far, I like for me the Link Runner okay. is definitely the the go to, the most popular. Just really because of speed. I mean, it's about what twenty seconds or so, and you you get the IP, the VLAN info, the port info. You, I mean, it's so fast and so so nice. Um, but then when you get to actually running cable, you know, it's a whole different set of tools and different poles and fish sticks and weird gadgets and so forth. So it's kind of hard to pick one favorite out of there. But I, if I just had to say in general, I'd probably say we use the, the Link Runner AT the most, um, followed closely by the Fluke, um, what are they called, Intellitone 2, digital Oh, toner. okay. You got the, yep. Yep, the yep, tone Those out. two we use all the time, like every day, really. So Now, so you said the Link Runner AT, so that's a generation behind. You know they've got the Link Runner G2 now. So yours yeah. is is yours yellow or do you have no, a no, do you have a green? It's green. Okay. Green. Um I I did have that guy call. Remember we talked a while back and, yeah, uh-huh. and about the ether the etherscope. Uh-huh. And um I don't even remember the I don't think he had any. Like if if they sent us one <laughs> and if it was really worth it, I I mean I'd buy it tomorrow, you know what I mean? But I don't I, it, it's, it's, there's such a big difference in price. I, I think the reason why the AT is so popular is because it's, I mean, it's not cheap, but relative to everything else, the cost is really decent, right? I mean, it really is. Like everybody can usually get one. You start getting it at Etherscopes and, you know, you're, you're buying a bucket truck that's yeah. several years old, really, right? You know? so, <laughs> well, they've got two different purposes. So the Link Runner is really your smart network tester, which is, at the low end of the networking scale, but does, you know, all the cabling testing that you need. The Etherscope is really a, a complete network analyzer. So it's going to do things that a network administrator would want in terms of, you know, checking, you know, services and finding all the endpoints on a network and stuff like that. The Link Runner, as you said, is just a fast, quick tester. 
Right, right. I, I, I would really need to see the Etherscope and like to actually use it. You know what I mean? To, to see, because I, I'm somewhat familiar of what it does and what you were saying about, because they, they have a new thing with the firmware upgrade, right? Where they can scan a network and it'll give you a nice map and yep, topology. plug everything out. Yep. That, you know, I see benefit in, in that. Do I see, you know, eight to $10,000 worth of benefit in that? But the, the other stuff, as far as pinging addresses and getting out and trace route and all those things, I mean, it's so easy to do, you know, from any PC or laptop. That's the, the, the main issue that I have with it, because I'm, I have no problems buying tools, right? Obviously, you know, but the, the main issue I have is that I haven't needed it so far and we've never like failed at a job, you know what I mean? So I haven't really needed it. So it's a big expense to have not needed it so far and to purchase it. Like, what's it going to do for us that is, you know, going to help that job? I mean, if it, if we use it every day, definitely hundred percent. If it's something where it's convenient because I don't have to pull out a laptop and it saves me that, you know, minute of boot time or something, boy, that's, that's a lot of money. For yeah, that, it is. You know? It is. And I would say this, if the bulk of your clients are, you know, 48 ports and below, it, it might not be for you because it's really designed for large networks. Being able to do a network discovery and see every device in the network, it can see across VLANs. Uh, you know, that's a whole nother show to talk about what the Etherscope can do. And it is, right. and it is, it's not really a cable tester. I mean, it can test cable, but it can't certify cable. So that's the thing. So if you're looking to do, you know, real certification, that's a whole different thing. That's a Fluke device. And I think, uh, Nathan, you've got one of the old Fluke versives, right? Um, we actually have a, we've moved out to Ideal. Ideal, we okay. We have a LAN Tech 4. They're called Trend Networks now, but we traded our Fluke in, um, and Ideal gave us like 4000 bucks or something as a trade-in. And uh, we took that deal and moved on to the LAN Tech 4 for certification. And then uh, we have the Net Ally devices for qualification, troubleshooting. We have some Lynx printers. I have the older Link Runner. I have the One Touch. Uh, I like the Link Runner better than the One Touch. One Touch. Uh, the Link Runner is faster. Yeah. For for most stuff I'm using, um, I like I like pulling out the One Touch. The truth is, it takes like a minute to turn it on, and <laughs> and funny. then and then it also takes longer just to qualify a wire. You get a lot more information, and you could you know scan the whole network. You can see everything. You can see where the DHCP server is, DNS server. You can really drill into some stuff. And so if if you need that and it's got the multiple Ethernet ports, you can do a lot of different things in it. So I think it's fantastic. But if you're disqualifying a cable or seeing if something's going to carry gigabit or checking a wire map or something, that link runner is pretty sweet. So if we're going to like build out, I, I think our for, for what we're doing and for our technicians, I like that link runner. Yeah, the Link um, Runner and the Link Sprinter are the two that I would say are, are the two fastest tools for just, you know, cable testing uh, and verification. The One Touch, again, is, is along the same lines at the e- as the Etherscope. It's yeah. really more for a much broader network analysis. And it's, you know, yeah, it's a little bit slower uh, because it's doing so much more in the background, you know, with grabbing, you know, all of the devices and, you know, scanning Wi-Fi, the the – the one thing I did like about the One Touch is that you could use it as a cable tester because it also had a fiber tester in there as well. So that was nice. But mm-hmm. again, uh, if you're going to do cabling, um, even you know the ideal stuff you mentioned, and uh, what was the one I just even did a blog on when I recommended something other than NetAlly. And from from ideal we use their OTDR too and uh they're an awesome company and they are they did call, they're all called, called trend networks now but um there's this customer service person there her name's Wendy shout out to her uh she's like the best uh we've been working through purchases with them and it gets a little confusing some of these things have a bunch of different add-ons and different things but they've been just fantastic um gotten pretty good deals they work closely with our wire distributor we use a place called warner electric and uh it's been it's been cool working with with trend yeah here's the tool that i recommended uh last the klein if you got either of you guys use klein yeah those are slick 
Those are nice and yeah. simple to use right there. The Scout um, Three, yep. We had a we had actually a guy who didn't train him quite right, and he used it wrong. He thought that those little ID tags on there that that meant that the wire was good, so he was putting those on the other end, and then he thought if it could see the ID tag, that was a pass. That was it. And we went back later. <laughs> I'm like, what in the hell is wrong with all these cables? Like, <laughs> how did you test these? You know, and he's like, look. Look, this is how this thing works, you know. And I'm like, that's not how it works. Where did you learn that? Yeah. Um, we got straightened out. All the wire maps are fixed at that specific job. In case they're watching, no problem. Don't blame Klein. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. I like that. Just that's a fast test right there. I mean, yeah. it's like boom, eight, you know, eight wires, eight conductors. They're all air. I like that. Yeah. And truth be told, and you guys know, I mean, that's a big part of the battle, right? The wire map and just having solid, you know, eight conductors solidly connected on each end is oftentimes going to be, you know, a quality gigabit connection. Now, you know, obviously cat five E or better wire and decent jacks on the end, but with all those variables checked, um, if when the wire map is good, you're, you're, you know, to come in with a, a certifier and, and, you know, measure crosstalk on that wire is is good and great to print the certification report. But if the if the goal is to have a working camera, phone, computer, or device on the end of there, uh, oftentimes a wire map is really all you're going to need. That's the first thing you got to start with is you know, are the pens in the right place? Yeah. And can you can you carry you know ten one hundred gigabit speed over that cable? So that's it. So let me ask this: Have either of you you mentioned you know the proper cable? Uh, we know that Cat six is what people are trying to make the standard. There is a six A. Uh, there's an unofficial Cat seven, but have either of you looked at or installed the next official Cat eight cable? No, we haven't. That's more data center stuff. Okay, I mean it seems like so. I we have not. We do some Cat six A. That's going out to the access points a lot of times now. If it's an engineered commercial job. There's often spec in two cat six A to every AP. Okay. So So they they would spec it and say this is what we have to have? So they're telling mm-hmm. you that? Mm-hmm. Nice. If it's if it's engineered by somebody else, we typically wouldn't bring, you know, shielded cat six A two of them to every access point for some of these places. Some of them you might have to, but I mean, we're talking sometimes, uh, you know, let's say a small like fire department rural area and it's engineered by an electrical engineer. And, you know, that low voltage is part of there. They'll often have two shielded CAT 6A to each access point. And then, you know, we'll get these projects done and train firefighters to find out that there's like three firefighters with like one computer each. And they got, you know, tons of access points with, yeah, CAT hmm. 6A out to them all. They'll, they'll spec jobs that way too without even, you know... There'll be jobs spec with two CAT 6A to each access point, and then access points will get installed with, like, you know, one Ethernet interface on them. So just spare. And when you're pulling CAT 6A shielded, foiled, spare cables around, but that's how the government, you know, does things. All right. So you're running it's not just the CAT 6 cable, two CAT 6A cables. And- you're running two cables out to access points. Yeah, it's typically engineered that way. We okay. get a lot. All right. Um, Terry, I think, th- I don't know, I don't know when this question came up. There was a question earlier in the chat. This may have been to Nathan where on long-term projects, do you break your billing up in periods? And I'm assuming the answer is yes over a seven-year project, but on even the short-term project, um, I know that, so my two cable guys, I've got, one that I use for the small jobs and the ones that don't need to be perfect and everything. And I've got a larger company that when it needs to be proper certified cable, it's a larger company and they will, they will require uh 50% up front. Uh, my other guy just bills me and I pay him when I get paid and stuff like that. So how do you guys do your billing on the projects, especially the large ones? Well, Kind of like Terry, we do a lot of like one day jobs or two day jobs. And those, you know, that's really our bread and butter is, is smaller projects like that. We like to just come in, get shit done when it's finished, get paid in full. Um, that's worked good for our business since we've started. We've applied that to pretty big projects too. Um, 
we do a lot of maybe like a job that might last a season, like a summer, two or three month, you know, in and out project. And we'll cut, we'll do the whole thing and, and bill for it at the end. Sometimes when we're subbed in from a general contractor, they have their own billing schedules and rules and they want to pay monthly on a draw. We'll get involved in that. And sometimes there's retention held on projects and different things. We work with school districts, things like that. But uh, so you wouldn't we don't get, really like charge people up front or get a deposit or nothing. Really? I mean, you. I would no. imagine getting something for materials. No, we we cover the materials and then come in and do our work and then bill for it. Mm. Terry, what about you? Uh, pretty much the same. <clears throat> I mean, wow. it really depends on the size, right? If it's if it's a really big job, and we're going to outlay a lot of money, then it, think things may change and they may have to do some partial payment. But typically on this, on the ones we do all the time, no, we just do them and then we invoice when we're done. Hmm. You know what it is? People are real nice here in the Midwest. So we can get away with that. You can't do that. You know, like can't do that down here. Like if Terry was going to come and like do some work for me, like then I, he could trust that I'd pay him at the end of it. So I don't know, maybe in Florida, you got to collect some of that dough up front. <laughs> of course. If you don't see anyone ever again. Yeah. So not only is Florida man here, but half of the uh, American greed stories are down here too. Come on. <laughs> so we had Bernie Madoff stealing 160 million, you know, or billion or whatever it was. So come on. And there is, I mean, you guys know every, every, every customer is case by case and every job too. There, there's scenarios where maybe we've had, you know, some in, things in the past or something where you, you just kind of, you know, might ask for a deployment fee or something like that. But we're, we're the same on our computer repair side of the business. Like we don't take a deposit when people bring in a repair or something like we check it in, we do a free diagnostic. We tell them what's going to cost to fix it. they decide to fix it and then you know we collect money when they pick it up or however you know whatever the scenario would be but i see shops and we've entertained the idea of like taking that 50 dollar deposit or half of the repair to kind of keep people from kicking the tires or to but um i don't know i've always liked the idea of just like we're doing quality work you can trust us we have a good reputation bring us your thing we'll tell you what it costs to fix it if you don't want to do the work with us because it costs too much or something yeah it took our time and and things like that but like i don't feel like you owe me 20 bucks or 50 bucks or something for that and uh i think that's helped us a lot with like reputation management you know um it's yeah, hard to be pissed off at someone when they try to help you and do their best they can and then tell you, don't even worry about it. Like, I couldn't fix it or it cost too much. You know, the screen for your stupid Mac's going to be $500. Take your computer back, you know, and uh, they come back. It, 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 it works out well. Yeah. I mean, for small jobs, I don't do that. If it's going to be over 1000 that's where I tell them there may be a deposit. Usually if we're ordering, you know, a server, you know, mm-hmm. and it's going to be like, for instance, you know, we just did a – terminal server and it was you know maxed out solid state drives for 30 users with you know licensed uh, office you know it was the thirty thousand dollar server you know mm-hmm. i got a deposit on that but most other things no not, a, not at all um so one last question here we're coming up to the hour that i want to ask you guys uh terry i'll start with you what types of things do you really pay attention to or Maybe what's the one thing that you hate seeing from other cable people when it comes to using, you know, RJ45 jacks that, you know, maybe are, you know, cheap or stuff like that? Um, what types of things uh, come up in the jobs for you like that? Uh, there's, that's a long list. <laughs> <There's>, I mean <laughs> – Lack of strings and kind. I mean, you know, we we run into so much. I mean, horribly wired things, right? Like missing patch panels where they wire direct to the switch is common. Um, You know, things like that. So we we don't. We try not to rag on them or anything. I mean, I don't mind it because it creates a lot of work for us. Then we come in, clean it up, make it right, show before and after photos, and the client's happy, and it just kind of promotes us further you know what right. i mean but um but yeah typically things like that like that you know if 
you look up in a ceiling and, you know, certain people have worked there. You just know that's where half the equipment, you know, all the, all the cabling is going to be up there. There's going to be a spaghetti mess and, you know, lack of J hooks, hard bends with cable. I mean, when you start running cable, you pretty much see it all, especially from people that don't do it often or do it right. Right. Well, let me ask this because down here, the one thing I hate is lifting up a ceiling tile because I know I'm going to see loose cables just thrown anywhere. There's no such thing as, you know, cable trays or J hooks or anything like that down here. So how much cleanup will you actually do? Will you, you know, go in and do a cleanup of those cables and rip them all out and install it, you know, brand new and correct. I mean, yes. Well, it depends on the job. If we're, if we're hired and paid to do it right, like, redo the whole thing, then definitely we'll, we'll yank out all the cable and, and redo it, pull all the old, you know, uh, cable out, um, recycle it basically. Sometimes you can get, well, I'm trying to think recycle prices right now, because depending on what you're pulling out, um, you can get a little extra chunk of cash by doing that too, you know? Um, but if we're, you know, some jobs were just paid to re re-terminate and if, you know, if that's what we're paid to do, that's, that's all we do is, is, Reterminate and make the rack look pretty and so forth. Of course, we prefer to redo the whole thing because then we can say it's ours and we know it's done right and, you know, everything's proper. Um, yeah. I wish we could tear it all out. We're, if it's a Cat 5e or better, usually our job is to leave the existing. We're usually adding on or moving stuff. And then sometimes we get to redress the head end and organize and, you guys know, like, the practice of using the 15-foot patch cords that are hanging in front of the switches and stuff. We like to tear all those out and get down to some short patch cables and get things organized. And, you know, you got managed switches in there, and you got your patch panels in between, you know, your switches in between your patch panels, and you can dress all that up. That's usually as far as we get to go. We've had a few that, you know, they're Cat 5E wire or something, 100, 100 megs outside desktop, so we get to sometimes pull it all out and re rewire, but... It's it's a tough sell for a guy that's you know got an existing facility or building to recable everything. Uh, they're usually trying to figure out you know what what do we got to do to save all this? But sometimes they renovate or something, and you get a, you get to you get to rip it out. All right, that's fun. All right, how many uh, how many batches of patch cables have you guys taken out because a previous installer just left? you know, five foot and seven foot patch cords. And I know Terry, I know you use the small ones that I like the, uh, the slim line, you know, patch cables and you yeah. get them in the six inch and the one foot and, you know, dress them up real nice. So do you guys take a lot of patch cables out that are, that are left? Oh yeah. Yep. Oof. Definitely. A ton. It's like the, it's like the low hanging fruit kind of, because you get the most bang for the buck. You, you know, when you dress up those racks, you pull all those old, spider nest spider webs uh whatever you know patch cables down and but i like those cleanups the customer comes in and it's like magic to them and they come in and they see it 100 percent, you know rejuvenated and then there's a pile of patch cables on the floor to get thrown away well the best part is is they're more afraid to touch it the prettier it looks yeah because it like should that. be though. I mean, once once things are fully dressed in, there should be no reason to to interact with it at all. And uh, you know, I think that's part of taking the time and doing that presentation is to to make it look like something serious. When these people come in and they just half-ass it and toss all toss everything in, then you know the building owners and the business owners also don't give the network closet the respect it deserves because it looks like a. a child installed it and you know when you come in and it's professional switch stack and it's tightly cabled and everything's dressed in and tight and you know the, a vendor comes in and adds one cable and we're like who the f- was in here right and that's <laughs> that's how that should look like instead of you can't tell who installed what or and, and you know how it is someone needs to come back and and get one wire in there and that's how it starts and then the and then there's a new phone system so then there's yeah. a new vendor in there and then there's a new security system and all of a sudden you come back to a a rack that you you know perfectly dressed and you come back to it and it's like okay i need the numbers for all these vendors <laughs> yep and get these purple yellow green orange wires out of here <laughs> or they'll uh 
you know, someone will come in, maybe the new, maybe the ISP comes in after the rack is there and you got everything coming through, you know, a piece of conduit in the ceiling or something. And then they just drill a hole next to it and run their cable. Of course. You know, two inches next to your pipe. Yep. But um, we get a lot of that too, where not, not to point fingers at any of the ISPs or nothing around here, some really good techs working for them. But uh, you know, sometimes it's like, you do everything you can to clean up that telecom room and then they come behind you. And instead of following pathways, they drill a new hole in the middle of the wall. And then it's like impossible to make it look like anything. And it's like, well, that's where, that's where the cable company came in. Um, You'd live with it. No, the best is when they do that and then they use tie wraps to tie it to your stuff to try to make it look pretty and say yeah sometimes trying to make shit look pretty makes it worse it makes it harder to clean up later (laughs) yeah all right guys well uh let me go ahead since i've asked most of the questions this evening do you guys have questions for me i i don't um you know i don't i don't have any questions offhand other than i i guess a big one is if you're going to TechCon. And uh, cause I think that's coming up next weekend. Yes, it is. And uh, so, yeah, that's my question. Are you going to TechCon? Yep. And that was leading right into the commercial that I was going to be doing for them. So TechCon Unplugged happening September 17th through the 19th over in Chicago, put on by our good friends, Paco, Jeff, and John over at MSP Unplugged. You have until... This Friday, September 10th, to get your tickets, there's just a few spots left. So head over to TechConUnplugged.com. Not only will I be there, they have graciously allowed me to do a session. So I'll be doing a session on Sunday on networking. So that'll be happening there. So, yes, I will be there. We'll see you and Aaron and hang out, chat, and all of that. Terry, what about you? Are you going to go I wasn't. <laughs> Come on, everyone in the chat, convince them to go. So yeah, I should. Um, we just been so swamped. I mean, daily stuff. Geez, I don't get to sleep anymore. So, but I mean, it it sounds fun. It sounds exciting. It's a great um, time. Send you pictures. We'll yeah. send a postcard. <laughs> in Chicago, that's pretty close by. That's why. That's why I'm going. You know, it's like four hour drive for me or something it's not too bad it's about the same for us i think four and a half five depending on traffic well it's like four to get there and another couple to get through chicago right usually but seems like not too bad just treat it like a mini vacation it'll be over the weekend hang out run into chicago get some pizza that's what i'm doing you guys know i i like to to uh, indulge in in adult beverages. So yep. uh, I heard there's going to be you know beers and and stuff going on. Yes, so there will. Yeah, that's actually how they get me to these. Um, it's the it's the the fun. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, gentlemen, this is usually the part of the show where I ask you to compete with a story to combat Florida man, or ask a random question. And since there's the two of you and we talked pre-show and you, you said you, you got nothing for Florida man. <laughs> I got and, nothing uh, on Florida man. No. You don't have guys planting trees in the middle of the streets. So let's get a random question. I'm going to do one for each of you. So who wants to go first? Who wants to go first? Terry does. All right, All right Terry, here's your, do we each get our own question? Yes. You each get same? your own question. So, Terry, here's yours. Uh, Let's see. Random question. What piece of technology would look like magic or a miracle to people in medieval Europe? Good Lord. Anything. Um, (laughs) A light. uh, I mean, obviously, a mobile phone would be the first thing that comes to mind. There you go. Right. That's. Yeah. All right. See, that was easy. And Nathan, oh, this Same is question. this is great for you. <laughs> no, this is a, gr- a great question right, for you. Right. What's the weirdest thing that has happened to you while working at your job? Oh, geez. <laughs> well, 
seat of my pants, one of the weirdest thing that's ever happened was we talked about like when you're, when you're up on a ladder and like you move a ceiling tile. Well, we were working at this restaurant and I was talking with this guy and we were just like saying like, oh, sometimes if you open these tiles, you got to make sure there's nothing up there. You know, there can be weird stuff up there. And we're like having this conversation and I go up there and move this tile and this like dead rat like flops out <laughs> of this tile. Right. And we're like, in this restaurant so it's like even worse you know and uh just the fact that we were like the premonition like we were talking about like the weird shit that can come down of a tile like seconds before um flopped the dead rat and please tell me this was during dinner hour right they were closed um (laughs) they were closed yeah could have got weirder and there yeah i think that's probably one of the weirder things all right See, that I'm allowed to talk about. See, uh, not so bad, not so bad at all. <laughs> we got a private conversation, right? All right. Uh, at TechCon, we'll have a couple of beers, and I'll tell you guys about some weird. That'll shit. be great. That'll be great. All right, folks, if you are watching us live, please stay with us as we end off the show. We will have, I'm assuming, a very interesting post show now because of this. Uh, if you are listening by audio, we want to thank you for downloading and subscribing, or the new term is following the show and be sure to like us and do all that you do with supporting the show over at podnutspro.com. So the next two weeks will not be a scheduled guest and I'm not quite sure what the shows will be because we will be getting ready for TechCon to fly out. And then of course I'll be coming back after TechCon. So um We will have shows. I just don't know what they're going to be. So we will be here next Wednesday at 8 p.m. So be sure to tune in and catch us live. So I want to say thank you to Nathan Drager and his website, quantumpc.com. And it only cost him pennies to get that website. uh, For those of you that may remember a different web address there. So Nathan there and Terry Moon computerpro1.com the number one computer pro in Michigan that's how you can remember that there so guys thank you very much for hanging out be sure to stay with us uh, through the music here and somebody just just asked a question in the chat Jerry asked will you have a show at TechCon I do not know I don't know if we have a media row or a place where uh, we can set that up Of course, there's going to be, what, five or six podcasters there. So I think there probably will be some sort of show. It's happening. It's going to happen. (laughs) So that's going to do it, folks, for this episode of Pod Nuts Pro. Again, thank you for hanging out. And on behalf of my friends here, Nathan and Terry, thank you. Good night. And we'll see you next time. And until then, holla. Holla.